0: the truth news network no we don't give away cash we don't give away new cars vacations to las vegas or cruises to alaska we deal in a commodity that's much more valuable we deal in the truth and we give it away in bulk without strings, without terms and conditions, and at no cost to you. And how do we do it? We make it up in volume. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to TNN Live, the Thursday edition. And we're just getting cranking, and we've got so many things that we need to share with you today. It seems like Every time we get into a week, you know, Monday, maybe even Tuesday early, talking, things, a lot of things happen through the weekend that many of us don't even see. As a matter of fact, mainstream media, in many cases, purposely don't even report on big events that happen during the weekend. We're, at Truth News Network, we're able to capture just a few of those in our Saturday bullet point stories that we publish every Saturday at truthnewsnet.org. Most of you, if not all of you, and many others, they make that kind of a thing on the weekend to make sure they didn't miss any big stories during that week. You guys are busy. We all are. And we don't need all of the pontification and the preaching to us by mainstream media. If they're going to be media, somebody needs to get this thought through their minds. Just give the Americans the truth. Give us the facts, things that you don't have to summarize and talk to us about what they really mean. We're educated. We're old enough to also understand that everybody has an opinion and that's okay, but we don't need yours about the news. Just give us the news and then trust us to go see all of the ancillary facts about a particular story that's a big deal, and then let us figure exactly how it's going to affect us and if and when we need to make any choices for ourselves about anything to do or not to do. That's the way news was structured to be, instead of being this um, pontification element that is actually built into the Democrat Party now. They own the mainstream media. They're nothing but Democrats' lapdogs. Now, there are a few scattered about that don't necessarily fall in that category. But most of them, if you're going to work there, if you're going to work at MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, and then newspapers like the Los Angeles Times, Chicago Tribune, Washington Post, New York Times, you're going to have to toe the leftist line and lean every one of your stories that you either give live on television or you print, you definitely, if you want to keep your job, got to lean that way. We're not that way here. We give you the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it doesn't wear a political party moniker. It cuts both ways. There are bad things and bad people on both sides of the political aisle. Nobody's exempt from exposure here. We don't give cover to anybody. And quite honestly, I don't expect anybody to give me cover. If I say something, I said it. I'll take ownership of it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That doesn't happen really often. You know why? Because we take facts, news facts, and we verify them ourselves. Just because you hear something on a network talk show or even a newscast doesn't just in its own self mean that what you're hearing is true. So how do you find out? Take what you hear, take what you read, and then go dig up the details for yourself. I know it takes a little work, but isn't getting facts on which you make decisions and choices, isn't it worth it to get the truth? You don't want to make bad choices. None of us do. So just don't make them. Before you make those choices, get the facts. Well, let's talk about some Biden economy, Biden economy. Let's talk about Biden Inflation Inflation numbers out this morning rose in July after they had declined pretty much every month from a high of 91.1% back in June of 22. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which that's the big measure of prices of everyday goods like energy and food, It was up 3.2% on an annual basis in July. That's compared to 3% in June. Core Consumer Price Index, which excludes the really volatile categories, things like energy and food, remained high, rising 4.7% year over year in July. That's compared to 4.8% in June. Inflation has become much more ingrained in our economy than the White House, Congress, or the Fed want to admit. That's E.J. Antony, a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Grover Herman Center for the Federal Budget. And he spoke late yesterday, early this morning, to the Daily Caller about this. Combined with slowing economic growth, we have the perfect recipe for stagflation. Now, whether you call it inflation, stagflation, recession, whatever names there are out there that you want to slap on what we're living in, it's not good. Our economy right now, by any fair measure, sucks. Everything is more expensive. And I don't care the numbers you just gave, uh, you just heard me give you, You know where those numbers come from? They come from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now, who do those people work for? They work for whoever the sitting president of the United States is, the sitting Secretary of Treasury. That would be Janet Yellen. Do you think either of those two have a a weighted cause to maybe put their thumb on the scales of impartial numbers being given to the American people? After all, we got an election coming up in just a few months. Seems like it it's going to be years before we get to it, but November of 2024 will be here in a flash. You wait and see. They are in now. They, being the left, are in panic mode. And when Democrats go into panic mode, everything's on the table. They'll kick anybody they think they need to to the curb and not even apologize. They'll say anything they think needs to be said to give them a leg up on anything and everything over their political foes. Anything goes. It's not a lie. It's not a lie, even if it's not truthful, when you're in a campaign season. It's okay to say everything. It's okay to say anything. So let's just Switch gears real quick. All this stuff about Hunter Biden and all that foreign money and did it impact Joe Biden? Was he getting money? Was he not getting money? Listen, I want you to think with me for a second. Joe Biden absolutely benefited from Hunter's foreign business. There's no way around it. We're not even through the week yet. This week, President Biden has responded to calls for greater access to the media with a blockbuster interview yesterday. Did you see it? He interviewed with the Weather Channel. Those bastions of news, right? (laughs) The interview immediately brought critics to speculate that Mr. Biden wanted to continue to talk about the weather The same claim that he made after the disclosure of his personal participation in several, we don't even know the number yet, dinners with his son's foreign associates. So as the number of these dinners, meetings, and outings go up every day or two, Joe Biden appears to have covered more meteorological subjects than does Al Roker. The problem is... Conditions are getting a whole lot worse in Washington, D.C., and we're not talking about climate change. We're talking about political heat. This week, House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer, he released a third report on the ongoing investigations into the Biden family corruption scandal. The latest bank records show the Biden family has received more than the numbers up. Every day now, it goes up a little higher. More than $20 million now, including from corrupt Kazakh figures. Kazakh. Kazakhstan. These guys will take money from anybody. They don't care where it comes from. Hey, you want access to the vice president back then? The president now? Just give us a call. We'll plug you in. Some of this money provided Hunter with some extravagant toys. On April 22nd of 2014, Kazakh oligarch, Kness Rakesh, you need to remember that. His name is up now, and he's up to his eyeballs in Biden family syndicate corruption. Oligarch, Kness Rakesh, he wired $142,300, exactly $142,300, to the Rosemont Seneca Bohai Bank account. Now, that seems kind of odd. When you're dealing with numbers that are all pretty much in the millions, what in the world could have made this wire be for the amount $142,300 exactly? That account shows the exact same amount being wired to a New Jersey car dealership for a Porsche Fisker sports car for Hunter. So then guess what happened when Hunter got the Fisker. I don't even know what a Fisker car is, but it's a sports car. He found it was unsuitable. Hunter then immediately traded it in for a Porsche. This is almost unbelievable. These payments often coincided with dinners and meetings with Joe Biden. Keep that in your peace pipe. You're going to smoke it later. Maybe you can smoke it with Joe Biden because it's going to smoke him. And then there's another Russian oligarch, Yelena Bacherina who is the widow of Moscow's ex-mayor. She wired $3.5 million to Rosemont Sidinka Thornton on Valentine's Day in 2014. Then she went to a dinner with Joe and Hunter Biden at Washington, D.C. hotspot I don't even need to name it, you know which one it is, Cafe Milano. For weeks, Joe Biden's prior claims have been collapsing as his allies in the media and Congress struggled for an alternative spin on all of these new daily coming-up disclosures. Biden's denials of any knowledge of his son's foreign dealings has finally been exposed as a lie. I mean, when even the Washington Post acknowledged that the president lied when he insisted that Hunter never made any money in China, pretty much can be for sure he lied. It was always a faced falsehood and a confusing claim from a man who insisted he had no knowledge of his son's foreign dealings. But then the testimony under oath of associate Devin Archer and new bank records forced the paper and others to recognize and acknowledge publicly the lies there's also the confirmation that Biden's longtime denials that he attended key dinners with Hunter's business associates those were lies too most notably the media are grudgingly admitting hunter was openly selling influence peddling and access to his daddy, that all of that was part of what Archer called selling the brand. The final line of defense now, if there is any defense, is that Hunter was selling access to Joe, but it was an illusion. went wasn't real. That's what Democrats in Congress are saying, to try to make some decency out of all of this corruption. The reason they claim... There's no evidence of direct payments to Joe and Jill. There is, of course, nothing illusionary about, oh, I don't know, tens of millions moving to Hunter and other family members. But political spins are often built on illusions. The latest one in this debacle, Joe only benefits from these payments if they were directly deposited in his accounts. For a family that Hunter explained was the best at this type of dealing, it's absurd to expect a deposit slip from a corrupt Ukrainian official to the account of Joe and Joe Biden, one of the most vulnerable accounts in the world to review and monitor, right? These claims, additionally, ignore emails discussing The Hunter and his father's use of joint accounts to pay for expenses. We know that happened, including how one account was used to pay Joe's taxes. There's also Hunter's complaint that he was using half of his earnings to support his daddy. One trusted FBI informant said that in planning a bribe, one foreign figure was told to avoid direct payments to Joe Biden. Today, that is as amateurish as an envelope of cash and the Bidens have been in the business of influence peddling for decades. Responding to all this new stuff, Washington Post columnist Phyllis Bump led the charge in asking, where's the bribe? In other words, as long as Hunter got the luxury car, Joe didn't benefit or receive a bribe. Yeah, right. Notably, Bump. This columnist did not have the same high standards when he pushed the false claim over a photo op in Lafayette Park and later refused to concede with the rest of the media on the lack of Russian collusion with Donald Trump. Not even millions to Biden children and grandchildren would seem to satisfy Bump as an inducement for then-Vice President. Yet the greatest delusion... It's the claim Joe Biden would only be motivated by a direct payment to one of his accounts. Biden clearly benefited from millions going to the Biden family fund. Even grandchildren receive some of the transfers funneled through a labyrinth of accounts. Joe Biden's 80, 80 years old. And despite holding only government jobs in his career, he is worth experts place his net worth at an estimated eight million dollars. Eight million. Forbes reported he earned 17.3 million over the four years he was out of office. Where the heck did that come from? We're not talking about a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand. We're talking about he earned seventeen point three million over the four years when he wasn't vice president, or now president. He'll never spend his fortune. Any additional money would have to pass to his descendants. For most wealthy people in the U.S. in their final years, the challenge is not raising more money, but getting that money to your children without heavy taxes or delays. This money was going to his BFF, That is a benefit and probably of greater value to a man of Joe Biden's age and wealth. But none of this has stopped politicians, press, pundits from insisting that absent a direct payment to the president's account, there is no corruption or crime. After all, $20 million going to a president's family, it's a little bit like complaining about the weather, in Washington D.C. It's stupid to do. But people still do it. Wow. It gets deeper. Joe, I think just my thoughts. I think he's in trouble. We've got a lot more to dig into today. Great revelations. Sit back. We'll be back with all of it right after this. In that song and the lyrics, all the good stuff's going to come back to you. Goes full circle. However, same thing holds true for evil and bad stuff. It always seems to circle back. Circle back. You know that Jin Saki thing. Speaking of her, we don't talk about her much. Jin Saki was Joe Biden's first press secretary. She's over on MSNBC now, showing her butt every day. I can't be more literal than that. I've never seen anybody so convinced about so much incorrect and wrong stuff, as in Jen Psaki and her compatriots and MSNBC. I don't know where they get the air that they breathe. I don't breathe the same air. Maybe it's something in that part of Washington, D.C. I don't know. Well, I think she's in New York now. Maybe she's still in D.C. MSNBC's got studios both places. So, a very special guest is going to join us at the end of this hour. You know, you heard me talk the other day about the new television series. It's coming out the end of this month. It's about... Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Louisiana, their amazing football program. And the legendary head coach of that team, Denny Duran, 14 state championships from that one team. And it's got a lot of twists and turns, but the creator and executive producer of God Family Football, that's the name of it, he's going to be with us at the top of this next hour normally where Steve Baker appears when he comes to be with us on Tuesday. And he's going to kind of give you all the skinny about this series, and I'll just give you a little uh, foretelling right now. This is series number one that's going to start the end of this month. There will be a second season. If you got to go somewhere, go, go now. But make sure you get back. You'll hear from Aaron Benward. So let's go back to the Biden stuff just for a little bit. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it today. We're really not. But if if you try to pull all the pieces together, and what pieces are you talking about, Dan? I'm talking about all this corruption that's been going on, still going on among the members of the Biden family syndicate. When you pull it all together and come up with an explanation According to Andy McCarthy, constitutional attorney, you can sum it all up in just four words. The business bill, and this is Bill. Who's he talking to, Bill? Oh, Bill on Fox News, I'm sorry. I couldn't figure out who he was talking to. Andy McCarthy was on Fox News. And he alleged that while the president may not have had direct talks with any of his son's business partners, his reputation was part of the sell. The business bill is Joe Biden. You know, there's a lot of questions about how often did Joe or did Joe talk about the business with Hunter? Was he involved in the business with Hunter? That gets the cart before the horse. The business was Joe and access to Joe Biden. If there's no Joe Biden, there's no business. So, to talk about, like, did Hunter or did Joe talk to Hunter about the business, which was actually selling to buyers the air of association and connection to Joe Biden? It's just ridiculous. He is the business. There are all these government ethics rules that stop exactly this sort of thing that went on here. There's no way this business could have gone on for five minutes under these circumstances unless Biden approved of it. So he is the business. So Dana Perino, Bill is Bill Hemmer. They were sitting there, part of the panel. Dana asked, you write about political power as a commodity and the impact On the public's trust. Would you expand on that? And so McCarthy did. There's a lot of talk data about did Joe Biden do something affirmative for Burisma? Like, was his using of his influence to get the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma fired? Was that a result of the payments that the Burisma people were making into the Bidens? That's all very interesting. And it ought to be investigated to the ground. But the nature of the business here was Biden's political influence and the idea that it was a commodity that you can have access to it. You know, sell and buy. Not that he necessarily had to do anything affirmative, McCarthy continued. Merely by having access to and connection to the very powerful guy that would discourage things like the Ukrainian government or the British government taking additional steps to investigate Burisma and the Burisma people who were brandishing the fact that they had the vice president's son on their board of directors and paying him, by the way, $83,333 a month, which is a million a year just to be on the board. Devin Archer was getting the same $1 million a year. Not a bad deal. The whole idea is to be close to and connected to the power center, to discourage people who might otherwise give you a hard time. They have a euphemism for it. They call it understanding or navigating the regulatory environment. But what it is is that you know the powerful guy in government. That will encourage the, or discourage the other smaller people in government from coming after you. Devin Archer, who everybody now knows was Hunter's business associate, he told Congress Biden was involved in over 20 conversations with Hunter about their business deals. Democrat New York rep Dan Goldman, he showed his butt After the interview with Devin Archer, it wasn't a uh, legitimate, actually a formal hearing, but it was a get-together behind closed doors. Goldman said that while Hunter may have put his father on the phone with his business partners, the two only talked about the weather. (laughs) Maybe about climate change, but Joe doesn't know squat. About the weather, and I don't think he knows squat about climate change. Biden has design, denied any involvement with Hunter's dealings, saying in 2019 he has never discussed with Hunter or anyone else everything or anything having to do with their business, period. And he doubled down over and over and over again. The latest before this all came to a head in the last couple of months was back in October of 2019 when he talked to Fox News' Peter Ducey and said he has never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. So guess what happened Yesterday. Joe told everybody he wanted to be more available to the media. So guess who took advantage of that? One of the very first ones. Fox News, Peter Ducey. Here is Peter trying to get the president to talk to him about this very thing. Listen closely.
0: Peter Ducey is in Bellin, New Mexico for us. Uh, what'd you get, Peter?
2: Sandra, we got a first of its kind reaction to that testimony. Nobody has asked President Biden yet about these allegations from a former Hunter Biden business associate that uh, Hunter would call his dad, then the vice president, and put him on speakerphone to chat uh, uh, with his business associates. So at the conclusion of this event, I
3: had a chance at the President's invitation, he waved his son over, uh, to ask him.
2: There's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them talking business. Is that what I've never talked business in England. And I I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you it's why is that a lousy question? Because it's not here true. Here Thank you, Mr. President. And so he wanted to talk about the transition to a green economy. Uh, He did not want to talk about that. But it does now conflict with the sworn testimony of Devin Archer. Devin Archer went under oath to talk about these speakerphone calls. Uh, Some of the Democrats that came out of that room where they were listening in private said that the president was just talking about the weather. But he's saying that they didn't talk at all. Back to you.
0: Very interesting stuff. Great job, Peter Ducey, as always.
1: Now, I'm a dad. I have one son, Caleb. I talked to him this morning. We talk pretty much every day. He's a businessman in Dallas-Fort Worth, very successful, and we talk about everything. Many years ago, we set up a relationship, and according to private conversations that became public, President Biden had the same conversation with Hunter and that is, son, you can talk to me about anything and everything and I'm not going to go crazy when you do. Just be honest and give me the facts. Now, I don't know if Joe and Hunter had that conversation, but with my son, I told him that. You can say anything. Don't you think based upon the perception of the president's relationship with his only living son, don't you think they would talk about everything? And I, when I mean everything, I mean everything, especially when it was so very obvious to everybody around that Hunter was using his dad for personal profit was selling access to his father as first vice president, well, even before that, probably, U.S. senator from Delaware, then vice president for eight years, and now in the White House? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You'll never convince me that there was not quid pro quo in all of this, and every day. Every day it seems to get deeper and deeper. Let me give you a, a everyday thing that just came up now. Blue Star Strategies, a lobbying firm recommended to Ukrainian energy firm Burisma by Hunter Biden. Blue Star Strategies worked for a Ukrainian prosecutor who let Burisma off. Let them off, according to internal State Department emails. Blue Star Strategies called State Department official George Kent regarding then-Ukrainian Prosecutor General Yuri Lutsiko back in September of 2016, a few months after Blue Star met with State Department officials on Burisma's behalf. Now that's from internal emails first reported by the Washington Examiner. Need to give you a heads-up that I took a call just now from Sally Painter from Blue Star Strategies, the first time we've interacted. I am confident it will be the last, Kent said in an email with the subject line, quote, bullying, threatening call by Blue Star Sally Painter in regards to Lutsenko. That's according to the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. Sally Painter is the chief operating officer of Blue Star. She runs the firm, alongside Blue Star CEO Karen Tramontano. She joined Blue Star in 2010, previously worked in the Department of Commerce under Bill Clinton. The topic or issue was Prosecutor General Yuri Lutsenko and has now canceled plans to come to D.C., a trip that Blue Star had apparently been arranging, Kent wrote. Lutsenko told me he did not know who exactly had come to Kiev and talked to him in July about coming to DC. He said Blue Star had promised they could arrange access to high levels of the Clinton campaign, including someone who might lead her to the White House. Then candidate Hillary Clinton was widely expected to win in 2016 the election. At the time of this email, she was defeated, of course, by Donald Trump, who is, by the way, the current front runner to win the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. When Dan Freed called me in the summer asking if I would be willing to talk to Painter, the subject was Zlochevsky and allegedly the bad reputational deal he was getting. I warned Dan this was a sticky wicket that Zlochevsky was viewed as corrupt. So Blue Star met with State Department officials on behalf of Burisma and its founder, Mikola Zlochevsky, twice in early 2016. In case you forgot, Joe Biden was then vice president. The firm said it was paid $60,000 for its lobbying activities much less than what IRS whistleblower Joseph Ziegler said Barisma paid to Blue Star. Beginning in November of twenty fifteen, continuing through the relevant period of twenty sixteen, Blue Star Registrant was working on behalf of Barisma Holdings Limited, a Ukrainian energy company, to further its commercial interest. Mr. Zlochevsky was a principal of Barisma at that time. That's their FARA, Foreign Agents Registration Act. These words taken directly from it. Registrant was asked in 2016 to help schedule meetings with U.S. government officials so counsel for Mr. Zlochevsky could present an explanation of certain adverse proceedings in the U.K. and Ukraine involving Mr. Zlochevsky. A Senate report from 2020 accused Blue Star of invoking its ties to Hunter in its March 2016 meeting with State Department official Catherine Novelli, that the firm disclosed. Hunter rec- recommended Blue Star to Burisma executive Vadim Parshavsky right before the firm began lobbying for Burisma. Emails from the, the infamous laptop show. Biden was then being paid over $80,000 a month just to sit on Burisma's board. Now, I know this is tedious, but this is important. We got to keep you up to speed because every day it seems like a new chapter is being dropped out of the sky about the Biden family's syndicate corruption. And so this letter continued. Let me have one final call with them and verify once more that they understand the scope so we can all feel that the retainer is in line with the work required. This is Biden talking to Porchovsky, November 3rd of 2015, in an email. I trust Sally and Karen implicitly, so I believe we are all aligned, but I want to have one last conversation with them to confirm before we proceed. Porchovsky had emailed Hunter and his business associates just the day before urging them to pursue a more aggressive lobbying strategy on Barisma's behalf. Devin Archer and I do feel comfortable with BS and the ability of Sally and Karen to deliver. You should go ahead and sign. Looking forward to getting started on this, Hunter told Posharsky two days later. The Department of Justice investigated Blue Star back in 2021, for illegally lobbying on behalf of foreign principals. IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley testified before the House Ways and Means Committee that the DOJ sat on a search warrant for Blue Star Strategies in September 2020, just ahead of the November presidential election. Lutsenko was a pro-maiden lawmaker who became head of the PGO following Victor Shokin's resignation as a result of pressure from then VP Biden, who threatened to withhold the one billion dollar loan to Ukraine if Shokin wasn't kicked to the curb, you remember last year I was authorized to say we'd do the second tranche of a billion dollars. Then Vice President Biden told the Council on Foreign Relations in 2016, and he didn't fire his chief prosecutor. And because I have the confidence of the president, I was there and I said, I'm not signing it until you fire him. We're not signing, man. Get it straight. We're not doing it. Victor Shokin, this is that supposed corrupt federal prosecutor in Ukraine. He had Zlechevsky's property seized. In February of 2016, the same month, he resigned. That's according to Ukrainian media reports. Joe met with Ukrainian President Poroshenko shortly after Zlochevsky was raided. Former Burisma board members and longtime Hunter Biden business associate David Archer told Daily Caller co-founder Tucker Carlson that Shokin was a threat to Burisma's business. Lutsenko eventually cleared Zlochevsky and Burisma of all criminal charges. He also investigated Burisma for a failure to pay taxes and an accountant eventually paid the taxes back. The Senate report said Blue Star was able to secure a meeting with Lutsenko, Parsharsky, and Zlochevsky's attorney June of 2016 after taking advice from a former Ukrainian official. Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Unit continued to investigate Slochevsky. He was later charged with attempting to bribe officials. This illustrates how wide, how thick, and how deep are the cobwebs of the Biden family syndicate's direct involvement in Millions of dollars, probably tens of millions of dollars of foreign money that somehow just happened to get into one or two or three U.S. accounts that belong to various Biden family members. And we're supposed to just believe hey, we're just doing our job. That's all we're doing. There's no corruption here. Joe didn't get any money. He just happened to get lucky at a sheriff's sale. And those four multi-million dollar houses he has, he just bought them at the right price when they came up at the auction. At a sheriff's sale. Right? You believe that?
2: (coughs) Off to gang and showtime.
0: Uh, Do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I?
1: Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship.
0: Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. It's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are. And we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved motel 6.com and we'll leave the light on for you.
2: Papa John is not interested in quality, he's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker, it's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee, better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or
0: more online. Justice, the American way. The Truth News Network. Once again, here's Dan Newman.
1: Don't forget the top of the hour, Aaron Benward, who is the creator, executive producer of the television series, brand new one that's going to appear, and then the first show is going to be late this month. And it's about Evangel Christian Academy, God, family, and football is the title. So he's going to be with us in the next 15 minutes or so and he's going to tell us firsthand what this is all about. Let me just circle back one more little tidbit coming out of the Biden family syndicate stuff. It looks like we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Representative Comer, James Comer, who is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee said just a few minutes ago the Republicans are going to subpoena the Biden family. The Biden family. They may have their day in court, Joe and Hunter, as the House Oversight Committee prepares to subpoena father-son, both of them, amid the ongoing probe into their family's business dealings. Comer joined Morning with Maria, to discuss the latest fallout. This is within the last hour from the Biden family business probe. He told Maria that the House Oversight Committee plans to subpoena them. We're putting together a case, and I think we've done that very well, Comer said. We know this is going to end up in court when we subpoena the Bidens. There's a lot of legal stuff there that I just find hard to believe they're going to be able to haul sitting president into court. Hunter, you know, I don't know about congressional jurisdiction over this stuff with him. So it's a Republican-led committee. They released new family bank records that show that the Bidens took in at least 20 mil, $20 million, countries like Russia, Kazakhstan, the Ukraine. I wish the media would ask the president, what exactly did your family do to receive $21 million dollars That, the House Oversight Committee, has proven. He just continues to say, well, that's a lie. That's not true. We have the bank records. Bank records don't lie. This is Comer. The House Oversight Chair, he continued, he argued that he and his fellow lawmakers have caught Joe in so many lies as the president continues to deny any involvement in Hunter's business. This is always going to end with the Bidens coming in front of the committee, Comer said. Comer continues to dig deeper into the Biden family's web of business dealings. A bunch of documents, countless testimonies. They've really pushed really hard to get facts in all this. Now, Comer says he's confident in the case that the committee is building against the Biden family. This is complicated, he said. We're being obstructed every step of the way by the Department of Justice, by the FBI, by the Secret Service, by the IRS, and by the Biden family attorneys. So despite being stonewalled by the government's top institutions, Comer said it's not going to stop the committee's efforts. We continue to produce evidence about every two weeks, he said. And it's all adding up. Nobody can credibly say otherwise. Every couple of days, more cold, hard facts keep coming out that show there were, if you don't have another term for it, there were shenanigans, (laughs) shenanigans going on among the Biden family syndicate members. Grandkids, some of the wire transfers went to Biden grandchildren. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, what could that be other than money laundering, which is also a federal crime? So what are they doing? They're putting their grandchildren right up front in the middle of being part of this insanity, this illegal working with for money, money, money from foreign company and foreign country leaders. It gets sicker every day to me. Let's switch away. Let's talk about something else. Mike Pence is back in the news, you know that. He's running for the Republican nomination. His latest campaign announcement, it was just palled by a one-time advisor's brand-new alignment, complete with a scathing rebuke on style unworthy of the presidency. This is this former advisor to Mike Pence that's saying this about Mike Pence. Pence has gotten in trouble a little bit, and almost every day he's getting in more and more. He took another blow in the optics of his campaign As his very own former national security advisor, Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, announced his personal endorsement for the 2024 presidential race. And unfortunately for the former vice president, the support from Kellogg was leading critic and primary frontrunner former President Donald Trump. Kellogg made a very lengthy statement that started with, I've worked alongside many leaders in my years of service to this nation. Among them, President Donald J. Trump stands apart as a figure of unwavering determination, a deep vision for America, and the courage to take a stand where others wilt. His bold and dramatic leadership style during his presidency resulted in significant achievements, For our country. And we don't have to say anything else about it. General Kellogg, he worked with both of them. Remember, he worked with both. Mike Pence, when he was vice president, and former president Donald Trump. When you work side by side with somebody, you typically get a pretty good determination of who these people really are and what they're all about so as we get into the wokism that continues to devour all of our sanity we deal with titles words labels it's gotten so bad several universities have used or are planning to use what they call a curriculum a curriculum devised by the safe zone project And it cautions students about using the term biological sex. So the Safe Zone Project, described as a free online resource for powerful, effective LGBTQ awareness and ally training workshops. It offers a free, uncopyrighted, two-hour-long curriculum. That's according to its website. The Safe Zone Project. Several parts of this, like first impressions of LGBTQ people and the genderbread person, comprised the two hour session. In the former, facilitators asked participants think of the last time you learned someone identified as gay or transgender and where their impressions came from, like their family, their friends, the news, or even church. College instructors use gingerbread person to classify the differences between sex and gender. Those who use the term genderbread person argue that gender is on a spectrum with unlimited options. This is the door opening to pure insanity. Gender is on a spectrum with unlimited options. The curriculum pushes against using phrases like born female or born male, pointing out that a sign by a doctor correctly depicts the situation of what happens at birth. Their curriculum dedicates about eight pages of space to vocabulary words. It notes that some terms are misunderstood, like biological sex, which the curriculum notes is often seen as binary, and there's a reason it is. Biologically, everybody that's born is either male or female. But they say in their materials, quote, there are many combinations of chromosomes, hormones, and primary secondary sex characteristics that one might embody, so it's often more accurate and helpful to view this as a spectrum coming out. That's another commonly misunderstood term, they say, because people often think it refers to a single event when it is a continuous, lifelong process. Every day, all the time, one has to evaluate and reevaluate who they are comfortable coming out to, if it is safe, and what the consequences might be. The curriculum cautions about heteronormativity, heteronormativity, which refers to the assumption that heterosexuality is the default sexuality. The curriculum provides an example of someone asking a married woman for her husband's last name. Another section of the curriculum, fearfully asked questions. It eliminates purported misconceptions about LGBTQ people. Sample questions include, how do lesbians have sex? Is bisexuality real? And is a man who dates a transgender woman actually gay? Can you believe we're going even further down this road? Normality, and this is Dan, this is a Danism. Normality is not a conflation of opinions. But it's a synopsis of facts. Facts. And I don't turn to social engineers when I'm looking for facts. Do you? No, when I need facts, I want to go to the source where everything we know and are certain lays out definitions and uses things like, I don't know, science, biology, those things that we base many, many, many things on. This is just really crazy. This is really crazy, and it's getting crazier. We're going to take our second break right now. When we come back, I promised, creator of an executive producer of a new television series generated right here in Shreveport, Louisiana. God, family, and football. Aaron Binward joins us in about, oh, I don't know, three minutes right here at TNN Live.
0: So, Ms. Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well-suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky. Oh, Thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there. With Southwest Airlines, fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. No way! Taco Bell's toasted cheddar chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six month old aged cheddar, cheddar right, right onto, onto the shell of a chalupa. Best genius, no delicious, no both, and now comes in a in the box the with a crunchy the taco, the taco cinnamon, cinnamon twist and a medium drink. Whoa! <sighs> oh, sorry, this is this is messed up. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The five dollar toasted cheddar chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited
2: participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks excludes freezes. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there?
0: Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner.
2: Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision.
1: Well, it's a, it's a busy, a really, really, really busy week. And it seems like normally, at, you know, when it's midweek, uh, days go by quickly. Um, this has been a really, really busy week on the national political scene. Boy, or <laughs> things changing and changing not every day, not every half a day, but every hour or so more stuff comes out. So it's time for us to kind of sit back in the chair and just relax and take a couple of deep breaths. And we at TNN Live are bringing a little sanity to your day. We have on the line with us a good longtime close friend, kind of like a brother to me. Aaron Benward, good morning, sir.
3: Hey, good morning, big brother. How are you man?
1: I am good. Aaron good. is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna embellish this a little bit before we get started. Aaron is an amazing singer. He's incredible. Great Christian music. He and his father did a tour for a number of years, had top songs in the nation, and he's a very creative guy. We have a lot of things in common in that regard. One thing, though, we do not do is we don't spend enough one-on-one time together. facts, absolutely. In, In fact, he is wrapping up, actually it's wrapped up the first season of... God, family and football. I've been telling folks about it, I guess every day since uh we got the trailer out. We played the trailer um 5,000 people that follow me on Facebook have it. A lot of people are chomping at the bits for the show. Aaron is the creator and executive producer of this television series. So my brother, I'm going to shut up and let you tell the people exactly what it is and what's going on and when and where and all those kind of good things.
3: Well, thank you, Dan. First of all, I love you and appreciate you supporting what we're doing. Obviously, it's the story of your best friend and my hero. Um, when I was 12 years old, I met Denny Duran. When uh, my dad, you spoke to him earlier. We almost moved to Shreveport to, for him to go into ministry with Denny. And at 12 years old, I was highly impacted by Denny and who he was and what he did for me in my life and made me feel. And he still calls me to this day a champion. I'm now almost 50 years old. And from that point on, as as time went on, and uh, yes, I did the music thing for a long time and, and grew into also producing content and, and in the film world. We were working on the story of Evangel. Denny and I were to develop that into a film. And in 2020, we were talking about it all. He had retired. And when we got around to the football team that year and how they were doing in 2020, he said, "Well, Aaron, for the first time in history, we're 0-3. And at that point, I said, all right, what are you going to do about that? Because I I knew that that wasn't sitting well with him. (laughs) And he said, "Uh, well, I think I'm going to come back out of retirement. I'm like, what? And I said, well, that's crazy. When? He said, tomorrow. And at that point, that the, the idea hit me and, and that maybe we should tell his story in real time and uh so i said that to him i said well I, maybe i should come to there and, and we should do our friday night lights in real time story about the the, the man who established evangel football coming back again and to do it again and bring it back to national prominence and win a state championship to which he said absolutely whatever you want to do so we did that and uh by the time it airs on September the 1st, coming up here in a few weeks, it will have been a three-year process from beginning to finally getting the show on the air September 1st. And uh, i got to tell you, I tell a lot of people, man, if if I were to go to heaven today or tomorrow, I've been able to finally tell the story that I've been wanting to tell about a man who's made the biggest impact in my life. And uh, I can't be more excited.
1: Before we get into the nuts and bolts about the series, um, you mentioned that he's a good friend of mine people that know me know that it's quite a bit different. His parents, (laughs) when my family exploded in South Louisiana, Denny came and got me, started a traveling evangelistic singing group called The Vessels in 1970. And I was trying to get away from the horror in South Louisiana, so I, I just signed in. And we've been together ever since. At the end of that first summer, his mom, his dad, and him called me into a motel room and said, we've decided you're not going back to Lafayette. I was going back. I worked Mm -hmm. in radio then. I was going to finish my senior year that year and then probably just go to college and get married to a Cajun girl. And they said, (laughs) you're not going to do that. You're coming to North Louisiana and you're going to live here. You're going to be Denny's little brother. And I've been his little brother ever since. And it's kind of uh, ironic. He's only 11 months older than I am. But we have been inseparable in a lot of ways. And let me just say this about Denny Duran. A lot of people have heard the name, but they really don't know what he's about. I'm asked all the time. This guy, he's, in, he's involved in all kinds of stuff with a lot of people. You, you very seldom see him nervous or upset about anything. He takes it in stride. He's a people guy. He's a people person. And he makes everybody feel comfortable that are with him. I'm asked all the time, is Denny Duran real? And I can honestly honestly say we've been together now for 52 years. He is all the way to the bone, what Aaron and I know firsthand, that we see and hear from him. And he's just a mighty person. He's a man of God, a great preacher, one of the best in the nation and he's been all over the world, and everybody knows him in ministry. But this football thing at this school, it's right down his alley. He he opted to, instead of going right into ministry out of college, he just finished as quarterback at Louisiana Tech two years, a national championship. They lost one game. He went on into the World Football League. Later, when the World Football League closed out, he went to the Saints, and he was going to play there, and didn't work out. He went to Washington, and he was slated to start the next week in a preseason game as quarterback for the Washington Redskins. God spoke to him, said it's time to get out of football, and he walked in to the coach and told him he was leaving to go back in the ministry. And ever since then, his life has been a combination of sports and ministry and evangel. Christian academy football program started they've been mildly successful right aaron 14 state championships (laughs) yeah and he is back in the saddle as head coach now that brings us to where we are and what this series and you you tell us about it what this series covers and why everybody needs to watch every every week what comes out of this
3: I and mean, this series covers exactly what the title says and that's the recipe and the formula honestly that I believe that Denny has instilled in making champions and that's god first family second and football third that's that's the title of the TV series and when you get into the 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 environment and the culture there at evangel which we were able to be immersed in for months while we filmed you get to see what the world needs to see you know Dan I, I'm I'm sure as you do your show every single day. There's a constant talk about what it means to, to have unconditional love and acceptance in, in, a, in, 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 the world and in society, which is what Jesus did. And, and there is an exemplary uh, kind of, kind of world, if you will, at evangel that does that kids from all socioeconomic backgrounds, cultures, religions um, come together at evangel and, even though the football team is the thing that is the, that, that we're really focused on and the, the players on that team and their journeys, their conflicts, how they get through that, through the, through the mentoring of Coach Denny Duran and Coach Fabian Carter and other coaches on the team, as well as into their personal lives of, of relationships and their families and their world, but it's all in this context of why are they so successful on and off the field? Um, and that's because of, of what Denny instills in them. And they and they buy in. I mean, every single morning, these boys, what people don't understand, five days a week, 7 a.m., they're in Bible study learning about the Word of God and doctrine and, and theology and the things that they will be able, I mean, most of these boys aren't going to play beyond high school, most of them. But they'll be able to take these tools and these things in life with them to become what Denny would say. I'm here making men out of these out of these boys to be great husbands, to be great businessmen, to be great fathers. And you see that. And, you know, it's so – the show and the world of Evangel and the football team is so counterculture from the standpoint of we've, – we've seen high school football shows uh, about coaches that are, you know, you, just demeaning their players to get them to, to be excellent or tearing them down in hopes they'll, they'll come back up stronger and or using profanity-laced tirades on them to make them feel less than – and what Evangel does, what the coaching staff, and specifically Denny does, is the opposite. He builds them up. He encourages them. He makes them believe in themselves more than they even did when they entered uh, the school there in the football program. He, he begins to make champions of these kids beyond just on the field. And so that's why they put God first. And then this team, is you, we watch them in the series become a family because you'll hear that Denny says, you can beat a great team. But it's hard to be the family, and so the idea is that they're they're creating a culture here. Where many of many come from single family homes, single parent homes. Excuse me, broken homes. Many of them come where they're raised by their grandparents, and they they find this this family that they so desire within this football team, within the context of this this brotherhood, and they go out to fight and go to battle every single Friday night. You get to see that we take you through the entire season, the ups and downs, the the tears, the the agony, the blood, sweat, everything that goes into to great football. But then we also see what these kids are at home, what these kids are in their in their life as, as they become young men and then will be be sent out from Evangel to, to, to take on the world. So I mean it truly is this this thing of something that people have never seen. Um we try to do something interesting and I'm going to bring you into this Dan because you're a big part of that. We try to do something interesting in a in a documentary format style TV show, which is what this is to bring Friday Night Lights into real life. So a lot of us saw the, the, the great movie and the great TV television series that ran for a long time that was Friday Night called Friday Night Lights. But we've never seen it in a documentary version. What do I mean by that? Well, we really wanted to have a voice, a through line, some, someone that uh, people watching felt like they were a part of Shreveport and or the Evangel community. And that voice is, is yours, man. And you really helped create, as the voice of Evangel Evangelio Eagles Radio Network, you created that for people watching. They're going to be able to really feel like they're a part of this community beyond just observing and going, wow, that's really cool. Wow, I love how they teach. Wow, I love how they coach. Wow, I love these boys. I can't believe the, the starting quarterback that, that will go on to play Division I football when he gets hurt actually lays hands on and prays for, and mentors the backup quarterback. And, and when we see the backup quarterback go and win the, one of the biggest games of the season, uh, and so it's everything about it is counterculture and counterintuitive and counterlogical. So I'm excited for the world to see it. And quite frankly, it is content. Everybody's talking about faith-based content with the successes of, of of the chosen, with Sound of Freedom and Jesus Revolution, and all these recent things that are happening. That it's showing Hollywood, it's showing the world, it's showing even the body of Christ how important it is to have things out there that show love, show redemption, show grace, show mercy, show the things of God. And I got to tell you, I'm excited for the world to see this. And we just need people to, to download free which is the ad based app for Amazon and watch God family football September 1st. So that's what we're going for.
1: So go explain, download this app free it's F R E E V E E. You can get it on the Apple app store, Google app store, but it's free. You don't have to pay for watching the series or whatever. And you can watch it anywhere you go because it's streaming. You can stream it on your phone, uh, your iPad, your computer, your television, lots of different ways to do it. But give us the context of how this series is going to appear. Is it going to be one episode every week? And how many episodes are there in season one?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Freevee like you said, you spelled is Amazon's ad based platform and I love what they did. So unlike Netflix or Hulu, where you have to pay a monthly fee, Freebie is actually, actually free. That's why free is in the, in the name of it. And you get, you can download it and it becomes just like Netflix is on your tablets, on your phone, on your TV, the same thing with Freebie. And so, you know, that, that's where this will be shown. And then after that, it will move to Amazon Prime as well. But look, I think the, the, the the series ultimately starts. We're going to release it all at once because when we found in in our screenings and our testings that once people started with episode one, they wanted to know what happened. They really wanted to continue on through the journey. We've, I believe, the team has done a great job of keeping people intrigued. As I mean, it is a roller coaster ride through this through last season's uh, football season, um, and with six episodes, they're roughly thirty to thirty five minutes in length. And uh, so, if you wanted to binge watch the six episodes, you, you know, get you some popcorn. Maybe take, might take a couple buckets to get through the three hours or so of, of the full entire series. But um, yeah, that comes out September first, and um, I'm excited, man. I really, really am. I can't wait to see what happens.
1: Is there going to be a second season?
3: We will be shooting. We will be uh, filming in the hopes of second season, there's been nothing confirmed in writing, but I'm, I'm going to be down there with, with a crew of folks really in faith, believing that uh, season two happens. But uh, at this point we'll, we're going to, we're going to operate as if there is one, but no, there's no, been no official word. At
1: this before, point. before we end, I've got to ask you this question. All of the people that were involved in the actual production and then the post-production I've met and talked to several of them. How is being a part of this, being around these guys and listen, he, he mentioned, Aaron mentioned that some of these kids, a lot of these kids, come from single-parent homes. It's a very blended school. African-American, Hispanic, Caucasian, and kids from every kind of economic background you can imagine. All of these kids coming together with these coaches that have similar backgrounds like that. What kind of impact has it made on the people that put this stuff together and the ones that in the studio somewhere in L.A. or wherever they do post production, all of the people involved in this, what are they saying?
3: I'm so glad you asked that question. It's you know, it's oftentimes things that aren't talked about when you you have a you know a TV show or a movie or something come out. But man, I, you know, the, going into this, obviously telling the story of like I said earlier of, of someone who's made single handedly the biggest impact in my life as a male figure in my life. And being able to tell that, and, and honor him in that, and make sure to take care of the the, the content around him, to that that's something that would would, would honor him. Through that process, I mean, you got to think we we started in August of last year and shot all the way until basically the beginning of November, and um, you know, upwards of twenty five or so people on crew on crew in the field shooting, and then twenty maybe more than that, probably thirty to forty total on the post-production side of things, editing the show together. And, man, across the board, um, it has been unbelievable. The people who just were literally, who do this at the highest level, uh, day in, day out, shooting and making great content, coming up to me, for instance, we have a, what they call rap parties. When you're done filming, you, ra- you have a rap party just to celebrate, you know, all those months of work and, and everything that was accomplished. And at the end of that, I had, man, I, I don't even. I lost count. We had probably fifteen, twenty people there, and I probably six, seven, eight of them, in different ways, came up and said, "Man, you know, I got to tell you, coming into this, I, I I didn't know what to expect, or I didn't, you had kind of maybe preconceived notions because of having God in the title or whatever else." And he said, "I got to tell you, quote, I'll give you some quotes. Um, this healed me. Second quote, I'll never be the same. Third quote." thank you for changing my life those are just three that that popped into my head and it's, it's not anything that we did it's literally the fact that people in the presence of this culture and and this visionary identity on, are able to be affected by it whether they believe it or not and this show is that way whether you're a faith person or not this is a show that you're going to feel you're going to walk away encouraged you're going to walk away feeling joy you're going to walk away feeling Uplifted and encouraged, and that's what we gotta have right now in this culture and the day and age that we're in. It's like this division is, is is nauseating, and if there's a way that we can bring bring people together around the TV set, families around the TV set, to be able to feel, experience, and actually, they're gonna feel like they are in the evangel community when they watch the show. And then I believe they'll be affected by it, like people are when they are actually in that community. So that's my hope, that's my prayer, and that's what I'm believing will happen starting September 1st.
1: I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) And I'm immersed (laughs) in the Evangel Christian Academy culture. I've got uh, six (laughs) grandchildren. Two of them have graduated already. Three graduate this year, and then the baby's a freshman. So I'm involved. I'm poppy. I'm in everything out there, and I can tell you, everybody is genuine in this. None of it is put on. And hopefully, right. we've wet your appetite, and you make sure that you download that app and that you're ready to roll on September 1st. Aaron, I want to thank you for sharing. I appreciate your openness and honesty, and you got me jacked up again. I'm all psyched now. <laughs>
3: Well, thank you, Dan. I love you, and I appreciate you so much for being involved in the show. You really helped make it something special, honestly. I'm excited for people to see it.
1: I can't wait. Thank you, man.
3: All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Wow.
1: Don't you like to hear interviews like that where none of it's about, oh, I don't know, illegal activity about corruption? It's about family, God, and all immersed together in a high school football setting. Everybody can relate with that. Everybody can. So, you need to download the app. Get ready for it. And I kind of like the idea we're going to be able to download all the episodes at once and binge watch. I cannot wait.
0: Thanks for being here. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of
2: President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. let me just get this. Hello? Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were That weren't. I will faithfully execute the office of <laughs> President. So, uh. What are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States.
0: <laughs> oh! Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang
2: up. No, you hang No, you, you hang up. So help me God. You hang up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless, join in.
0: Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman,
1: TNN,
0: The Truth News Network.
1: Those swamp critters, they never talk about or even think about the truth. They're just going to say what they feel is good for them to say it and how to say it. Fact, lie, truth, none of that matters to them. Whatever fits their particular purpose on any given day, it's what you're going to hear. It's kind of... I guess ironic, we were just talking about this high school football program that's the subject of uh, this upcoming series. And now we're going to talk about what happened, I guess, yesterday or the day before. Texas Governor Greg Abbott did a ceremonial signing for the Save Women's Sports Act. And when he was signing it, he was accompanied by former collegiate swimmer and women's sports advocates Riley Gaines and Paula Scanlon, and it all took place at Texas Women's University in Denton. That's about 25 miles north of Dallas. Abbott signed Senate Bill 15 back in June after the Texas legislature passed it earlier this year. What it does, it prevents collegiate athletes from participating in competitions that are designated for the biological sex opposite to the student's biological sex, as denoted on an official birth certificate. These are the women who committed their lives, altered their lives, so that they can compete. And yet you heard Riley Gaines talking about how she was marginalized, Governor Abbott said at the ceremony. She was a winner. She was denied that NCAA championship victory. Abbott was referring to when Gaines and Leah Thomas, formerly Bill Thomas, tied for fifth place in the 200-meter freestyle at the 2022 NCAA Championships, the NCAA gave the trophy to Leah Thomas, or Bill Thomas, instead of to Riley Gaines. Today, it feels like that one meet, that one race that you train all year for, Riley Gaines, a former University of Kentucky competitive swimmer said at the signing it's pretty amazing this law is even necessary she added if you have eyes and a brain and any amount of common sense you can easily comprehend the fact that men on average and this is a fact are taller stronger powerful can jump higher than can women it's a biological reality but unfortunately, we live in such a time where it is somehow controversial to say men and women are different. Paula Scanlon described her experience being Thomas's teammate at the University of Pennsylvania. Thomas was on the men's team. This is Bill, now Leah Thomas. He was on the main, I said he, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be politically correct, Thomas was on the men's team for three years before transferring to the women's team. Thomas, by the way, who had fully intact male genitalia, dressed in the women's locker room 18 times per week, Scanlon said. Now just think about this. Think about if your daughter is immersed in this every day, just doing what she trained to do, grew up to do in college, to be a competitive swimmer. Scanlon said, when my teammates and I tried to voice our concerns to the athletic department, we were told that Leah's swimming was non-negotiable and we were offered psychological services to re-educate us into accepting the idea of Thomas competing and undressing Beside us, Scanlon said, we, the women, were the problem. We weren't victims. To sum up the university's response, we, the women, were the problem, not the victims, Scanlon added. We were expected to confirm, and our feelings don't and didn't matter. The university was gaslighting and fear-mongering us women to validate the feelings of a male. Abbott signed similar legislation in 2021 to protect girls' sports at the K-12 level in Texas public schools. Now, the insanity of all of this is so stinking clear and obvious. It is. Biology. Now, wait a minute. Weren't we told for two years, three years, every day, by real science-based doctors... What were they telling us to do every day when we had questions about this or questions about that? You know I'm talking about COVID-19 and our pandemic. What were we told that we had to do every day? Follow the science. Don't worry about pontification by people who aren't knowledgeable. They don't know what's going on. They just pontificate for the Political purposes. We were told science is the only thing that matters. Now, where the heck is Dr. Fauci? And why wouldn't he, who, by the way, he told us all on a national, actually an international stage, that he is the science of medicine? He knows everything. Why hadn't he weighed in? Isn't there a little issue with uh, what is going on with Leah Thomas? And by the way, I saw an interview, I don't remember where it was, but it was an interview where Riley Gaines was being asked the specifics about Leah Thomas, still got his quote-unquote junk. And she said, every time we dressed and undressed, and he's sitting there right with us, it just shocked all the women. They couldn't believe it. This illustrates just one of the oxymorons of life in the United States today. I just can't imagine anybody that has a brain feeling like this stuff is okay. It's all right. These young women are going to be scarred for life. There is no other possible explanation for what might happen. And then I'm a dad. I have two daughters. I can't even fathom allowing my girls to play sports, which they both did in high school and elementary school, junior high, middle school, all the way up. I can't imagine them even being contemplating at their schools. Contemplating, even thinking about it, having my daughter's dress in the same locker room at the same time with a biological male. I just can't do it. I just cannot do it. So I pulled up, I wanted to get an expert's um, explanation of the fairness. I'm talking about from the athletics perspective. I'm not talking about the sociologist's perspective. I'm not talking about social engineering. Male, biological male competing against a woman. I want you to listen to this. You're going to hear some people that are pretty credible and knowledgeable talking about the advantage of the biological male across the board in athletic competition.
2: You know, there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat Serena Williams in tennis, right? That they think that they could actually score a point on her. Um, and it's just not the case. She I mean, is stronger guys, than that. What's your experience, Ben? Male, female. Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Um, My experience, my husband, he swam at University of Kentucky as well. In terms of accolades and in terms of national ranking, I was a much better swimmer than him. Um, He could kick my butt any day of the week without trying.
0: It took us about 10 seconds to find this video, which we've shown you before. Here's Serena Williams on females versus males in tennis, for me, tennis in men's tennis and women's tennis are completely, almost two separate sports. So, I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose six zero, six zero in five to six minutes, maybe ten minutes. Because it's no, any, it's or- true. It's I true. mean,
1: that's Serena Williams, the greatest female tennis player in world history, and she made no bones about it. There's no way, as good as she was. A mediocre man, a professional tennis player, but mediocre at that. We're not talking about somebody that wins Wimbledon every year. We're talking about a guy that's pretty good, Serena Williams. She said there's no question about it. He'd beat her butt every time they played, and he would beat her bad. Would beat her bad. So here's the social engineering perspective about this debacle. Listen to this. On Monday this week, a federal judge ruled that in an Ohio school district's policy that allows students to use the bathroom on the basis of gender identity rather than biological sex may stand. In other words, they were testing it. Parents were. Teachers were. Students were testing it. And the federal judge says, nope, you got to allow it. In 2022, a coalition of parents that represented by America First Legal sued Bethel Local Schools, that's in Ohio, alleging that the district's policy was enacted without community input and infringed on parental rights. That's according to the Cincinnati Enquirer. Judge Michael Newman, no relation, thank God, Judge Michael Newman of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Ohio dismissed that lawsuit and argued that while parents have the right to choose where their kids go to school, they do not have the, quote, constitutional right to revoke a school's policy on student bathroom usage. This landmark decision makes clear the school district acted neutrally towards all students wanting to follow the law to eliminate discrimination on the basis of sex, protecting the rights of its transgender students when it comes to making all campus restrooms accessible to all students in conformity with the students' gender identity. Now let me ask you a question. You just that was a quote from Lynette Dinkler, legal counsel for Betha local schools that just said that. Protecting the rights of its transgender students. You know what that means? Title IX needs to just be torn up and thrown away. That was the order that came out of the White House many years ago that made it very clear, women will in anything and everything to do with government-funded education institutions, those women receive exactly the same consideration as do men. There will be no more discrimination against women in any kind of athletic event or even educational event. You remember all the women's rights activists that were around there They were singing and hollering and praising. Oh, my gosh. All the hoopla when it was in the 60s and 70s, even all the way into the 80s and 90s, women were marching, demonstrating, aggressively, proclaiming that they were being infringed upon from top to bottom and pretty much everything to do in society. And we, the American people, We allegedly said, you're right, we're going to do that. The school board system, Bethel Local Schools, they said in this, the landmark decision makes clear the school district acted neutrally towards all students, wanting to follow the law to eliminate discrimination on the basis of sex protecting the rights of its transgender students. That's what they said this was about, but did you notice what they left out? Protecting the rights of all, protecting the biological rights, the social rights of everybody. We're going to tip the scale in this rendering. This judge did. My last name, Michael, Michael Newman, judge, did it. U.S. District Court for Southern District of Ohio. This is against women. It's not supporting women. I'm sorry, transgenderism, follow the science, says Dr. Anthony Fauci. Follow the science. The science says women are women, men are men, period. And what this whole movement is doing, It's normalizing discrimination from top to bottom for girls, women, and it's taking its morphed sexual identification element, and it's putting that on top of fairness and equality. You and I both know this is not going to last. If and when this whole thing gets to the Supreme Court, you think they went crazy over the Supreme Court nominations when Donald Trump was president? You remember that? They haven't seen anything like what will happen in this case because this is an infringement upon girls at every level. Today it's in bathrooms. Where do you go to use a bathroom? We're hearing about it in sports. It's going to be across the board, and Americans won't stand for it. It is the purest form of discrimination that has ever come from any government in American history, and it has nothing to do with science. Social narrative is all that is involved in this. Got some more things we want to get to while the show is still going today. Democrat Massachusetts Governor Mara Healy declared a state of emergency yesterday because of a surge in migrants in her state, Massachusetts. We don't think about Massachusetts getting a bunch of illegal immigrants, right? She sent a letter to the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas And in the letter, she asked for urgent help with this issue. She said the state is spending $45 million being forced to care for roughly 5,500 migrants, including young children and pregnant people. There you go. That tells you what her background and thinking is on sex. Not on pregnant women, on pregnant people. Although you can't ever point out a man to me that has gotten pregnant. It's biologically impossible. But that that's that other story. She said this state of emergency arises from numerous factors, among them federal policies on immigration and work authorization, inadequate production of affordable housing over the last decade, and the end of COVID-era food and housing security programs. The need for action is urgent. Now, this is Healy, is the governor of Massachusetts, and she sent this to Alejandro Mayorkas. So, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican who's now running for president, he sent roughly 50 of those migrants to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, by the way, her state, back in September. And the island scrambled to deploy resources, eventually moving the migrants to joint base Cape Cod. To our partners in the federal government, Massachusetts has stepped up to address sadly what has been a federal crisis of inaction that is many years in the making, Governor Healy wrote to Mayorkas. But we can no longer do this alone. Massachusetts is experiencing a surge in illegal migration as New York City grapples with its own lack of space. New York City is, they're caring for more than 57,000 illegals right now. Meanwhile, the feds at the southern border are seeing illegal migration increase again after dipping a little bit in June. Border patrol agents made roughly 130,000 apprehensions of illegals at the border in July after making roughly 99,000 in June. And Homeland Security, they won't even talk about this with anybody. So let's just Let's just go down a little bit, a little west-southwest from Massachusetts. Let's go to the Big Apple. According to the mayor, New Yorkers are going to spend $12 billion on illegal immigration, triple the cost that was previously projected. New York City taxpayers, $12 billion on waves of border crossers and illegal aliens arriving in the city every day. The mayor said yesterday that nearly 100,000 border crossers and illegal aliens have showed up at New York City since the spring of last year. That's 18 times the population of Saratoga, if you're keeping tabs on comparisons of numbers. Adams said the cost over the next three years will hit $12 billion for New Yorkers, who are already some of the most tax-burdened Americans in the U.S. To house, feed, and care for migrants, New Yorkers will spend $3.6 billion this year, 4.7 billion next year, and $6.1 billion in fiscal year 2025. Since last year, nearly 100,000 asylum seekers have arrived in our city asking for shelter, and we're past our breaking point, Merrick Adams said in a statement. He said, New York City has been left to pick up the pieces of a broken immigration system, one that is projected to cost our city $12 billion over the course of three fiscal years with no policy changes and further support from the state and federal governments. Our compassion may be limitless, he said, but our resources are not. This is the budgetary reality we are facing if we don't get the additional support that we need. And so it just gets worse and worse and worse. Meanwhile, down at the southern border, authorities deployed a riot response late on Monday after hundreds of migrants stormed a bridge across from El Paso after hearing it was open to them. Mexican drug cartels circulated a rumor that the migrants would be let into the U.S. on Tuesday. Some migrants tried to force their way through a locked gate into the U.S., where authorities deployed tear gas. These are all good people, when migrants said. Hundreds of migrants tried to storm the Paso del Norte bridge into El Paso in March, over their concerns with the legal process to enter the country known as CBP1 which is a phone app for entry appointments at ports of entry those are legal places to come in ports of entry along the southern border and they complain that app CBP app they complained it had glitches border patrol apprehensions of illegals at the border increased to roughly as you just heard 130,000 in July. By the way, in case you didn't hear or know this, that mess down at the southern border and what it's doing to all these other places across our nation belongs solely to the team, the tag team duo, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and President Joe Biden, both of them swore oaths when they were inaugurated that they were going to protect and defend the United States of America and its laws, swore an oath to protect the U.S. Constitution, and both of them are stepping all over the Constitution and the rule of law every time one of these illegals comes in illegally, other than as is laid out in multiple federal laws, They're breaking the law themselves. They're suborning illegal immigration. They personally are suborning it. And there's a day coming where they're both going to be held accountable for their lawlessness in this. Speculation now is through the roof about what's going to happen between now and November of 2024. I'm talking about the election cycle. Every day it seems like more stuff comes out that is so stinking obvious. Democrats have got to get off the backs of Joe Biden as running with the uh, Democrat nomination for president at 2024. He can't do the job. So let's just say between now and Election Day, what I projected was going to happen even before He was inaugurated as president. I said he'll never finish one term. He won't have the ability mentally, emotionally, and physically to do it. And when I was asked how that is going to take place, I said it'll be something like this. This was when Nancy Pelosi was still House Speaker. Mitch McConnell was the majority leader in the Senate. I said it's going to work this way. One morning, Jill, Joe's wife, is going to call Mitch And call Nancy and say, hey, listen, guys, Joe's not going to be able to finish this thing. We've had a physical issue come up and he needs to step down. That's my predicted way this happens. Let's just say that he's going to, he's going to, he's finally going to bow to the reality of all of the lawlessness that has gone on in his family with this. Biden family syndicate crap, getting all this money from overseas foreign adversaries of the United States, blackmail stuff. So many of the questions we have about the things that Joe Biden hasn't done in protecting the nation, every one of those are tied to, and it's looking every day like more and more it really is tied to, obligations by this president to these foreign nation leaders. So he's not pushing forward with Americans' ideology when he's dealing with these specific foreign nations. So let's just say Democrats, they finally have had enough and they call Joe in and say, hey, look, thank you for what you've done. You did a great job. Well, of course, that would be them telling him that. I would never say that, nor would you. But it's time for you to step down, Mr. President. He won't run for the Democrat Party nomination for the presidential run next year. So what's going to happen? Here's something that may uh, perplex some of you. Conventional wisdom says that Joe Biden may actually play kingmaker at the Democratic Convention and give his delegates, because he's going to get delegates there, give them to somebody else. This democracy-touting left, they just might be setting themselves up for a stunner in 2024 as one governor foresaw a coronation in place on a convention. Surrogates for Donald Trump encouraging primary opponents to step aside weren't the only ones trying to bypass voters, say, in a presidential nomination. Only difference— as suggested by New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who's a Republican, was that the Democrats might be planning an altogether farcical primary. He was talking to host Sandra Smith on Fox News Tuesday. Sununu elaborated on his prediction that Biden would not be the nominee for the Democrat Party. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, he said, but I think there's a greater than 50% chance he's not on the ballot come November of 2024. He then began to lay out a scenario where the incumbent would find an excuse to pass the nomination through his endorsement to a candidate of his own choosing at the Democrat National Convention in Chicago in August next year. Either he's going to go through the primary process effectively unchallenged. A year from now, he's going to collect all the delegates. His health is not going to be good. He can always use that as a reason to step out and basically tell all of his delegates to go for somebody else and kind of be a kingmaker. This is Sununu's prediction. It wouldn't be unheard of for the Democrats to try to manipulate their convention that way. They've done it before. Senunu, having stated his own intention to keep his hat out of the ring, he then began to proceed it as readily as the Democrats have to ignore that Biden is already facing a primary challenge from both environmental lawyer Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and author Marianne Williamson. And the other opportunity is somebody comes in this fall. Now, I think if an opponent were to challenge him this fall, it's probably going to be a self-funder. Somebody that's got their own money. It's probably going to be somebody with a little bit of name ID nationally and maybe even someone who isn't a politician. Sununu's talking now. I don't think any of the Democrat governors are going to stand up and do it this fall. They're probably just hoping to be coronated by Joe and Jill next summer. But I'm predicting probably at least one if not two people still jump in this fall challenge him right here in New Hampshire and make a run at it. So who would be in that conversation if it ever happens? Leading the discussion, since hardly anyone is prepared to take a candidacy from Vice President Kamala Harris seriously, has been no other than California Governor Gavin Newsom. He has routinely praised Biden while maintaining a firm target on one of the leading Republican primary contenders, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I mean, already the two have agreed to participate in a one-on-one debate moderated by Fox News host Sean Hannity. Though Newsom's camp has quibbled over a counterproposal in the format of such a uh, such a debate. Meanwhile, Kennedy has decried his own party for its unwillingness to see Biden challenged. And he told uh, Bart earlier this year, the DNC at this point has taken the official position. There will be no debate. You're talking about among Democrat candidates for president. And he said, I think that's unfortunate. I think what the DNC did to New Hampshire is also unfortunate. Adding the presidential hopeful, making note of the games already being played by the Democrat Party to skew the primary in Biden's favor by reordering the schedule of the states. So Biden is facing two-name challengers so far. Even with that, Governor Sununu predicted others and many have spoken of a possible Newsom candidacy. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich had previously warned that former First Lady Michelle Obama could also be in the running. And my brother, Denny Duran, who we talked about with Aaron Benward at the the top of the uh, 10 o'clock hour, he believes, he believes that Michelle will get into this race. Newt said, I think Republicans had better pay significant attention to Michelle Obama. I hadn't believed that until I saw her on stage with Bruce Springsteen. I thought, you know, this is not a person who's hiding, he added with the note on the departure of Biden's domestic policy advisor, Susan Rice. As to specific names of who he thought could jump in the race, Governor Sununu offered none but suggested a fiscally conservative Democrat would get favor in New Hampshire before laughing off such a person as something of (laughs) an oxymoron. (laughs) Well... Political pundit Sean Duffy, he stopped by Laura Ingram's show on Tuesday to talk about the state of the GOP primary coming up. Laura Ingram opened the segment. She acknowledged that Donald Trump is a massive lead over the rest of the Republican field, and new polls indicate he may not be a liability in a general election matchup against Joe Biden. She pointed out that all of those slew of indictments against Trump doesn't seem to hurt him with the voters. Sean Duffy waived the indictment, suggesting that the allegations that Biden sold foreign policy decisions for cash are much more serious. He also said the conservative base sees the charges as a politicized DOJ attacking Donald Trump. Then he also suggests the indictments have ignited a galvanizing effect on conservative voters who were previously unsure about supporting Trump and were shopping around for somebody else. And now to stick it to the DOJ, to stick it to the deep state, they've come back on board the Trump plane. And now to stick it to the DOJ, to stick it to the deep state. You heard that. They're coming back on board. They're making him stronger, not weaker, he said, in reference to the indictments. Because there's a lot of nothing there. He talked about a lot of average citizens, such as parents and pro-life activists, have been targeted by the DOJ, which causes them to personally empathize with Donald Trump. A lot of Americans see they're going after Trump but they see the same thing happening in their communities and in their co- their country. Whether you're going after parents, protesting at a school board, you're Latin mass Catholic, you're pro-life activists, they're seeing the DOJ classify them as domestic terrorists and that they're coming after them. I think I think the whole thing is wide open. I think it's still wide open. Hey, folks, that's it for Wednesday. No, it's Thursday, Dan. That's it for Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow morning bright and early. Don't forget, go back and download the show and hear that interview with the creator-producer of God Family
0: Rhythm, grace, and have for one man, oh. And then he had to know to twiggle his left toe But through his knee he got a feeling in his head, y'all